small voice in your head that says, what if I can't? Our guest today challenges us to ask ourselves the question, what if I can? Jacqueline Vieira Iloff is a senior advisor of Joel Osteen Ministries and is the author of What If You Could Find Faith in the Face of Fear. Before Jacqueline's incredible role at Lakewood Church in Houston, Texas, she served as a media liaison for the Republican National Committee. She was a Reagan administration appointee under Secretary of Transportation Elizabeth Dole. She was also the deputy director of the Office of Special Projects and developed economic initiatives and trade missions. The list just goes on and on. God has obviously opened up some incredible doors in Jacqueline's life, and she attributes all of her success to her faith and choosing to believe what God says about her is true. In today's episode, Jacqueline encourages us to believe that we are fully equipped for what God has called us to do and helps us face fear with the power of faith. Let's go to that interview now with Jacqueline Vieira Iloff. Welcome to the Lucas Miles Show. My guest today is Jacqueline Vieira Iloff. Jacqueline, it's great to have you on the program. Thanks. It's great to be with you. Absolutely. Now, your book is called What If You Could Find Faith in the Face of Fear. That is something that I think a lot of people would like to know. Talk to me about that a little bit. You know, most of us find our daily activities bring us anxiety, stress, fear, anger, and we turn to God and say, oh, please, God, take this away. We pray our prayers to him and hope that he comes and intervenes. But that's not the way faith works. Faith works by exercising it. So if you have a relationship with God and you pray every day and you know what the word says about you and you know who you are in Christ, then you have the tools on a daily basis to overcome that stress and anxiety and depression. And you can change the way you think. You can change how life affects you. And you can then step into God's authority and start bringing things into your life that are joy-filled and happy and successful and prosperous and healthy and do all that God has called us to do. As I was going through the book, two things stuck out to me. And first off, I really applaud the fact that this is not just another book elevating what I would call the extreme sovereignty of God, that everything happens for a reason. And so we should just accept a bad day as God's plan for our life. I felt like you really championed God's goodness towards people. And so kudos on that. The second thing is that I thought that there's going to be a lot of pharmaceutical companies that are mad at you if people actually get the (laughs) message in this book. It's so freeing to realize that we don't have to live in anxiety. You say in the book, you said, faith and fear have something in common. They both ask us to believe in a future that we cannot see. So Jacqueline, what really is fear and why do we experience it? If you go back to the Garden of Eden, where we were created to experience this creation in union with God, and then we decided for whatever reasons that we knew better, and took a different approach, and got out of communion with God, then the first thing God asked us is, why are you hiding? And we answered, because we were afraid. So right from the very beginning, 
the enemy has used fear to separate us from God. And there's no reason why we should believe that. We should believe in what God has said about us, that we are his children, that he loves us, that he has created us to do abundantly and beyond all that we could ask or think. I mean, we are his creation and we have his DNA. So therefore, if we believe that we are his children and we believe that we are made in his likeness and we come under his authority and his anointing, then we can do all that he has enabled us to do in this fallen world. And that's a lot. And you were saying God didn't give us a bad day. We created the bad day through our own decision making. God gave us a free will. God wants to bless us. He doesn't want to punish us. We punish ourselves by turning away from God, from making bad decisions. I tell my children since they were little, if you make good decisions, you will get good outcomes. And if you make bad decisions, whether knowingly or unknowingly, you're going to get bad outcomes. And that's kind of what happens to us. You know, if you eat badly, if you smoke, if you don't sleep, there are definite consequences to what happens to your body physically. Well, it's the same in the spiritual world. If you speak unbelief, if you speak calamity over your life, that's what you're going to receive. So get out of that mindset, get into the mindset that God put in our hearts and say, okay, Lord, more of you and less of me. Let me live in perfect union with you. You tell me where you want me to go and I will strive to accomplish those things that you would have me accomplish. That's so good. I always say that if it's good, it's God. If it's not, it's not. And I think that's just a simple barometer, if you will, to really telling our litmus test, what in our lives we're experiencing is of him and what is of the enemy. You know, talking about that, what are really some of the lies that the enemy comes to us and tells us? Because I have to imagine that somebody maybe that doesn't have a strong background in faith or they're new to reading the Bible, maybe they've been in church for a while, but they've never really picked that up, made it their own. Sometimes it's hard, I think, for people to distinguish God's voice because they haven't spent enough time hearing what it actually sounds like. So what are those lies of the devil and how can we discern that? Everybody has those voices in their head. And sometimes they're not in their head. They're right next to them (laughs) saying, you can't do that. You're not good enough. You didn't finish school. Who do you think you are? How in the world are you going to go and expect to be taken seriously? You know, all of those detrimental tapes that get played in your head. We all have those moments of fear like, oh my gosh, what am I doing here? Nobody's going to believe that I can handle this. And those are the enemy's lies. God wants you to know that you are empowered, you're well-equipped, you're fully able. If you can think it, you can manifest it. I mean, think of all of the things that surround you on a daily basis. Somebody thought of that at one point or another. Somebody crafted that. Somebody sat and developed that idea into a solid matter. Well, if you can do that with iPhones and iPads and Nike shoes that help you bounce faster and higher, and then what are you doing when you're saying things on a daily basis about yourself? What are you calling into being about yourself? Are you saying, yes, Lord, I am well able. You can open doors that no man can open. You know, you can send the Holy Spirit to speak through me what you would have these people want to hear and need to hear. Well, those are all empowering things, and those are what God wants you to listen to. But like anything else, you got to practice it. You got to do it every day. You got to get into the Word. You got to know what the book says about you. That book is not a fairy tale, it's not 
you know, something that you look at on Sundays or when you're studying scripture. It's something that will guide you on a daily basis. Just ask the Lord and the answer is in there. It's an amazing book that he's given us. No other book in the world does that. No other book. To me, that's just fascinating because God is a master weaver. He puts every thread, every warp, every woof into that beautiful tapestry that he calls our lives. And if we are willing, he can do a masterpiece. If we're not, there's going to be holes in it, you know, because we won't allow him to put what needs to be in there. I agree completely. Jacqueline, talk to me a little bit about your story of growing up and your family. I was struck by this because so many times in Christian publishing, and I don't say this to shame anybody, but it seems that people who have gone through the most seem to be the ones writing the books at times. And certainly not that you haven't gone through anything, but I was struck by the fact that you spoke very positively about your upbringing, about your family dynamics. And it was refreshing to see somebody go through life and have a really strong family backbone behind them. Talk to me about how, from your experience, you had to overcome maybe some of the fears of stepping out of that, with my words, your safe environment. It's funny because I'm a pretty private person. So for me to share these stories was really a stretch. Talk about fear. I had to get out there, but I thought it will bless people to understand that we all go through these things. And my family are immigrants to this country. They came in the turn of the century. My grandfather was a politician and an entrepreneur from Havana, Cuba, and the revolution came and he had to leave the country and they moved to Florida. And my father was a World War II vet, a Korean vet. We grew up just your basic American immigrant story. And uh, the one thing that was always the glue in all of our situations, whether we were up or down or well off or trying to put pennies together, it was the faith. Faith was always at the core of who we were as a family. And that has been such an amazing gift and legacy. And I'm so proud that I left it to my children um, because they're such godly women. And I'm just thrilled that that really came through along the way. But my family story, we didn't have a silver spoon in our mouths. My dad was a worker for the telephone company. My mom was an operating room nurse. I went to a parochial school and uh, we just made the best of it. But God always had me in the most amazing places. A kid from a little town in California, I would say, what are the chances? But I've sat with kings and presidents and prime ministers and homeless people and just the whole array of humanity. And God has blessed me in a way that I can walk with anyone. And it really chokes me up because I'm not worthy, but he finds me worthy and I aspire to be worthy of what he believes in me. Talk to me about the time when you made the decision to first move to D.C. Oh, yeah. Well, I'd grown up I was born in Florida and we moved to California when I was little and California was all really, I knew as a way of life. And if you've ever been to California, you know what a wonderful place it is to grow up. I mean, you've got the beaches, you've got the mountains, you know, you've got the deserts, there's city life, there's country life, there's whatever you can ask for is, is uh, part of California. So I had no desire to leave until one day God put on my heart that I should be involved in politics. 
And a friend of ours was the head of the Republican Party there. And uh, my mother worked with him. He was a surgeon. And my mom worked with him. And she would tell us about what he was doing. And I said, Mom, I really want to get involved. Do you think you could ask him what I should do? And he was very kind and picked up the phone and said, Jacqueline, there's a race coming up. You should be involved. He's going to be the next senator of California. Why don't you come in and volunteer and see what happens and see if you like it? So I did. And I loved it. And the political bug bit me. And the next thing I knew, I was headed to Washington to interview. And when all of that happened, I sat down with my mom and I said, Mom, you know, what should I do? Should I go or should I stay? I mean, they're offering me this wonderful opportunity to work for the administration. And what should I do? And she said, well, go and see if you like it. If you don't, you can always come back. And that gave me the courage to step out in faith. Because if you don't try, you don't get. And I wanted to try it and never looked back. I mean, God had me doing the most amazing things at such a young age. And I was astounded. I was honored to be able to affect the changes that I was part of. By no means was I the only one, but I got to work on things like the seatbelt initiative with uh, the Department of Transportation and Elizabeth Dole. I got to work on the inaugural, the youth event for the inaugural for the Bush campaign. So on and on, I mean, it's just incredible. I got to work with Governor of Virginia when I lived in Virginia and got to help head up his trade mission to Mexico. And because I could speak Spanish, I got to sit down and negotiate the sister city agreement between the ports in Mexico and Virginia. So, I mean, who would have ever thought that a kid from San Gabriel would be sitting there negotiating trade agreements? Only God would have said, okay, I pick you. And I'm like, okay, I'm ready, Lord. (laughs) I'll do whatever you want. That's so cool. And it's so encouraging. And I think that one thing I'm thinking, and I imagine you have an answer for this, but I don't want to put the words in your mouth. But when you say that you're blessed and you've been blessed by all that you've been through, you know, really in light of your book, what you're talking about is that you've made the decision to trust God and walk in faith rather than walk in fear. And that that leads to a life and a road of blessing. Is that fair? Absolutely. And it's not to say that I haven't had my own trials. You know, there have been dark nights of the soul for sure. But because I turned to God, I got through it. If I had turned away, it might have turned out very much a very bad ending. People take one wrong turn and end up homeless. If you talk to people who are on the streets, it's not because they're bad people. It's because something happened in their lives that they couldn't recover from. And often it's because they thought so badly of themselves. And I'm blessed to be able to say that, you know, I had this strong faith that I knew when I did encounter things that were difficult, not pleasant, and just heart-wrenching sometimes, that I could overcome them because I did turn to my faith. I looked in the Bible and I said, what do you want me to do here, Lord? And he had answers for me. And thank God I was smart enough to follow his lead and not turn away in the dire circumstances. So I'm not suggesting any kind of a Pollyanna scenario. People do go through horrible things. You know, people go through cancer and illness and death of a loved one. And ultimately, our mission is not to live in this world in a perfect way. It's to get through this world with the best tools available to us, which are God-given, and get to our eternal life, which is really where we can manifest all that God has for us. 
That's so encouraging. And I think that it's just something that I've seen really echoed out in my own life. And my wife and I, we had in November in 2017, Mark, 10 years since my wife and I had both had heart surgery in the same month. And hers was quite a bit more serious than mine was. But when I look back, even over the last 10 years, the number of times that you're just tempted to give up, that little voice that you were talking about earlier in the program comes and just says, hey, is it really worth it? Is this really, are you really qualified? All of those things that creep in. But now from this vantage point, looking back over the last 10 years, I think about all the things we would have missed if we would have stopped, if we would have given up on trusting God, if we would have failed to believe, you know, the promise. And I love what you said. It's not that, I mean, we live in a fallen world. It's not that life is going to be perfect, but it's that we can trust him and that we know that he's not the author of the pain in our lives and that there's a path for him to lead us and navigate this through where we cannot lose our joy, where we can hang on to our identity. And I just think you did such a great job of putting this together in the book. Again, for our audience, the book is called What If You Could Find Faith in the Face of Fear. And we'll be right back. Are you looking to stay connected with current events, culture, religion, and all sorts of other news? Then faithwire.com is the place to do that. Hop over there, make sure and check out faithwire.com, the exclusive home to the Lucas Miles Show. Also for all things news, especially with positivity. It's so easy to get bombarded by all the negative news that's out there. And that's one reason why I love faithwire.com and why I've chosen to work with them for the launch of the Lucas Miles Show. It's just a great place to be able to go and get all of your information in one place. Stay connected with the world's happenings and leave with a smile. So check out faithwire.com and make sure and like them on Facebook. And now, back to our guest on The Lucas Miles Show. Our guest today is Jacqueline Vieira Iloff. Her book is called, What If You Could Find Faith in the Face of Fear? Jacqueline, we're talking about really fear and faith. That's what it comes down to, and that's what you tackle so well in your book, Talk to me about some of the principles and guidelines to having faith that really work in our lives to combat fear. You have to make it a habit to walk in faith and talk in faith. When Job encountered the calamities that he encountered, it was because his hedge of protection had been taken away, but he did it to himself. That hedge of protection He was so worried about what his children were doing, and he called it all into being so that when uh, his friends were saying, well, why don't you curse God? He couldn't. He couldn't curse God. He had brought it upon himself, and, and he kind of knew that. So he wanted to maintain that relationship with God because he knew that God would see him through whatever the situation was that he had brought upon himself. So in my book, I talk about an experiment I did when I was in seventh grade. And it's still true today. If you take three plants and you water them exactly the same, feed them exactly the same nutrients, but one you talk to sweetly and kindly and encourage it to grow, and another one you denigrate it and you tell it you're just a weed and you know you should never have existed, and then you leave the control one all by itself, you will see a marked difference in the growth of those plants. And if those words of 
affirmation and degradation resonate with plants, what do you think you're doing to yourself and to your children and to your spouse and the people that you speak words over when you speak words of unbelief and degradation? I mean, that's a very sobering thought. God has given us the power of life in our mouths, and we need to use it to live and not curse ourselves to death and destruction. Absolutely. I agree wholeheartedly with that. You speak in, I believe it's chapter three, the title of the chapter is called Faith is Not Fairy Dust. And I think probably from maybe the outside of the church world, I see people that maybe have a tendency to think that that's what we're all doing when we talk about faith, is that it's some sort of just magic potion or magic wand over our lives. Explain what you meant by that and why we just can't sprinkle faith on our lives whenever we want uh, something to happen. Right. Well, I say in the book, the Bible tells us that faith is our true manifestation in our relationship with the Creator. It's not about believing fairy stories. It's not about wishing on a candle and saying, oh, gosh, I wish my life was better. Dear God, please. And you plead with them and you beg. But then you turn around, you leave church or you put the Bible down and you say, oh, my life is horrible. Well, yes, it is, but it doesn't have to be. You can say, oh, my life is just going to get better all the time. I'm going to do this. Set goals. Having faith is a very tangible thing. It's something that you set about doing, just like making bread or working out. You have to do it on a daily basis. You have to put the word in you. You have to feed yourself the word of God so that you know who you are and you know what you are. And then start attracting that. Most people attract the worst things because that's what they speak. There's an illustration of a woman that I know in the book that says, every time I encounter her, how are you doing? I ask her. And she says, oh, you know, I don't know. My kids just aren't doing what they should be doing. You know, my back is out. You know, I had to go to the doctor. She gives me the lamentations of all the things that are wrong in her life. Not once does she say, gosh, you know, I've set a goal to lose some weight or I'm doing this to better myself. I'm doing a fast to get in touch with what God wants for my life. There's nothing ever positive that she's doing to affirm the good things that God has for her. So how can you ask God to do what you aren't willing to do for yourself? You know, how can you say, God, change my life when you aren't willing to change your life? You know, he gave us free will. He can only step in when we give him permission to be in our lives. To me, that's so important. Every day I say, Lord, not my will, but yours. I give him permission to take my life in his hands and do with it what he wants me to do. And like I said, he puts me in the most amazing places because I'm willing to do what he wants me to do. And I'm not afraid to do it. I mean, if I get a no, it's a a no. I'm not any worse off than I was before. But if I get a yes, then I'm farther ahead and farther down the road with my goals to accomplish what I'm trying to do. So to me, when he says, knock and it shall be opened, ask, and it shall be given. That's not just a really clever saying. He's telling us what to do. He gives us directives at every opportunity in the Bible, if you really are reading the scripture, not just reading through it, but trying to understand when he speaks what he is saying, because it's always a wow moment when you get it. It's like, 
I've read that passage five times. I've never saw that in there before. It's because he's revealed it to you. And once you have that revelation, you have that authority. So, wow, what are you missing in the Bible? You are talking about some dangerous themes here, personal responsibility, faithfulness, following God, walking in your calling. I mean, this is some awesome stuff. And I just think that there's so many different directions we could take this. Unfortunately, we are out of time for today, but we're going to have you back on the next episode to talk more about this. So before we kind of phase out here for the end of this episode, Jacqueline, tell our audience where they can find out more about the book and how can they get their hands on this? You can find the book, how to purchase the book or get more information on it at my website, JacquelineVieraIloff.com. And uh, you can Google it. You can put my name in and it, it'll come up a bunch of different ways. But I just want to thank Broad Street Publishing for being such a, a great partner and helping me to get this book out to the world. They're, they've just been marvelous. I love everybody over at Broad Street, and Suzanne does does a great job over there. Jacqueline, thank you for being on the program. And for our listeners, we're going to have Jacqueline back on. We're going to be talking about how to overcome past failures and heartbreaks more, and really where we can get to the point in our lives where we can look ourselves in the mirror and say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And Jacqueline, thanks for writing this book. Thanks for being on the program, and I can't wait to have you back. Thank you. It's my pleasure. I look forward to it. If you haven't had a chance to pick up a copy of my book, Good God, the one we want to believe in but are afraid to embrace. I want to encourage you to do so. It's available wherever books are sold, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, you name it, you can find Good God there. So grab a copy. You can also always get a copy at lucasmiles.org. And after you read it, I'd love to hear from you. If you liked it, hate it, shoot me a message. Let's stay in touch and make sure and keep visiting lucasmiles.org. That's all I have for you for today, but make sure and head over to iTunes and download the Lucas Miles Show and head over to faithwire.com where you can always get the Lucas Miles Show exclusively there and listen to our newest episode. We have all sorts of exciting guests, so check it out, the Lucas Miles Show.